I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 199 in which I am all about Annie. And I am recording this on Sunday, May 22nd, 2013. I would like to start out by saying thank you very much for listening, as always. Thank you for, um, oh, listening. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Thank you for being you and for taking time out of your busy life to spend some time with me. Um, I also want to say thank you to those of you who have emailed and commented. My comments are way, way down, but I understand that's because I haven't really been talking to you much. Uh, so I do hope that at least you're commenting in your head. And, you know, maybe at some point you'll remember to go to my pod, my blog and um, leave a comment there, or email me or however you want to get a message to me. I have a handful of announcements and then some Sandy update from a quilting perspective, and then I've got sort of a life update, and I'm gonna put that at the end, so that those of you who are really only turning in for quilting, um, I will let you know when you can just shut off, because I will be done talking about quilting at that point, and be talking about some other stuff. Um, so, first of all, the announcements. I am using a new microphone, and I have to tell you, it is adorbs. I mean, it is actually, it's not just adorable. It's adorbs. It's this little tiny thing. It's only about ah, four inches high. And the microphone itself is a little ball that sits in a magnetic base. <laughs> and the plug is actually sort of welded into the microphone ball. So I won't be having the same problems, I'm hoping anyway, that I've had with past microphones with the USB um, or whatever that end of it is called, not the, not the USB end, but the end that goes into the microphone started getting loose and wiggling and then there would be all these um, clacking noises. This one should be pretty quiet, I'm hoping. And I've tested it out a couple times. It seems to pick up really well. And in fact, looking at my um, audio graph here, it almost looks like it might be picking up too well. So I'm going to lean back a little bit here. Um, it's always tough to get used to a new microphone and, and uh, how it wants to respond to my voice. But anyway, this thing is just so stinking cute. <laughs> I can't get over it. Um, so hopefully the audio quality will be really good now. Another announcement is a shout out, a congratulations to Frances of Off Kilter Quilt for her sixth podcast anniversary, And she actually has a giveaway. I know I kind of blew right my, by mine. She does have a giveaway on her blog. And so I'll post a link to that if you're not familiar with Frances of Off Kilter Quilt podcast uh, so that you can make sure you go check out her giveaway and you really should check out her blog and her podcast. Now, there's a couple of announcements that I had on my list to make in my last episode. I have no memory of actually making these announcements, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself. <laughs> and if I'm not, I'm really sorry I didn't make these two weeks ago when I posted my last episode. Um, the first one is that there is a uh, donation quilt block project that has been organized for the city of Fort McMurray in Alberta, Canada. 
Um, the last I saw news about it, over 80,000 people had been evacuated and whole neighborhoods were lost because of really severe wildfires and they had such bad drought conditions that the firefighters were having problems controlling the fire at all. Um, and so there is a um, blogger who has organized a quilt block uh, collection, and then they're going to make donation quilts out of these blocks and send them to people in Fort McMurray. Um, they are they're collecting maple leaf blocks for obvious reasons. For those of you who may not know that the flag of Canada is a maple leaf the blocks are due to this person in Canada, June 30th, 2016, although I have seen since then that there's a U.S. collection point as well. So I'm going to be posting the link to the um, the original collection person and the information about the um, whole donation project in the show notes to this episode, but um, I think it was on Jay's blog, Jay of Art Quilt Maker, had a link for the uh, U.S. collection plates. So I will send a message to Jay to ask if she can leave a comment on this episode with that link if she's got it. Um, the other swap that's going on, it may actually be too late <laughs> to join this one. Um, if you are part of the Twilters group on Facebook, you will have already heard of this. It is a birds in the air block swap in honor of Francis. Again, of off kilter quilt. Francis is an author, and she is coming out soon at the end of the summer, I believe, is her hopeful launch date of a new book that's about. Well, it's not about quilting. It is a fiction book with quilting as a theme, and the title of the book is Birds in the Air, and so Francis herself is making a couple of birds in the air. Um, quilts to use when she goes out and does book signings and such. But in honor of this exciting, momentous event in the Twilters' um, communal lives, they are also doing a block swap with Birds in the Air Blocks. All the information is in the Twilters group on Facebook. Again, I have a recollection that the um, due date was June 1, because I remember at the time thinking, oh, I might be able to do that, and then I sort of lost track of May. So... <laughs> I apologize if the deadline for that has already been and gone, but I don't think it has. Um, so those are my announcements. And now I'm going to give you a Sandy update because I have actually been sewing. Hang on. I have to um, scroll down in my notes here, which means you might hear a little bit of clicking. Um, last weekend, I did actually intend to post an episode. Um and I had planned on posting that episode on Sunday afternoon, which tends to be the best time for me to post an episode. However, uh, I was I didn't end up being home. Um, Sunday I ended up I was doing a presentation at church for about our trip uh, to Burma with my friend of mine that had gone with me, and we um, did two presentations back to back at two different worship services. One for um, the English-speaking service, and then the second one afterwards for the Burmese-speaking service. She did far more of the presenting <laughs> in the second service, and she speaks Burmese, and I don't. Um, but I still did do some part of it. And the whole thing took much longer than I thought it would. I thought I'd be home by about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't get home until after 4. And by then, I was completely fried. Just completely fried. I don't think I did anything other than sit on the couch and play stupid iPad games. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have really any recollection of much 
other than that, once I got home, um, I might have taken Sammy out in the backyard and thrown a tennis ball around, but I certainly didn't do any sewing or embroidery and certainly was not going to be talking to anybody even in a podcast. Uh, so that's what happened last weekend, and I apologize for that. I really did intend to get the one out, but in any case, um, this weekend I have actually ended up having a bit of a retreat weekend. My husband left Thursday morning to take my mother-in-law to California for one of our niece's college graduations. And then my daughter also left, I think also on, yeah, she also left on Thursday um, to head up to her alma mater college to attend graduation there because now her she had a bunch of friends in the class behind her and they're all graduating now. So she went up for the weekend. So I ended up home by myself for the weekend. <laughs> And I miss my family terribly. I spent much time sitting in a corner crying. Really, that's what you're going to tell them. <laughs> but I really, really enjoyed um, just having a lot of quiet time. I don't tend to turn on the TV a whole lot when I'm home alone. I do more reading. Um, I will watch the occasional craftsy class or the occasional great courses lecture. Um, I listen to podcasts sometimes, but not really. I mostly... <laughs> It's just really pretty quiet around here. And, um, of course, I tried to do a fair amount of sewing. Now, yesterday, uh, I still had to work Friday and then went to the gym after work. So by the time I got home, all I did Friday night from a sewing perspective is I did pick out some fabric uh, for a future project, which I'll be talking about in a minute. And did I do something else? Oh, yes. The other thing I did was surgery on <laughs> on another project that I'll be talking about in a minute. I did those both on Friday night. Saturday, I ended up, again, being out of the house longer than I'd expected. My nephew's girlfriend was getting her black belt ceremony in, um, oh, let me see if I can pronounce this correctly, Muay Thai, essentially Thai boxing martial art. And she's been working on this, you know, for a long time. She's been doing martial arts training for about 10 years. And so this was a big deal. And she had invited me and, um, my sister, my nephew's mother, uh, to come to the ceremony. And uh, so we did. And she had originally said she thought it would be done around one o'clock. I had to be there at about 1030 to get good parking. Well, it turns out I didn't really have to be there at 1030 because there was plenty of parking. Um, it, the thing started at 11. So I got there a little bit early. Plus, it was way on the other side of town. So I had to leave half an hour early to get to there. So I left my house somewhere between 10 and 10, 15. And the ceremony itself didn't actually get done until about 1.30. And then I hung around for a little bit because they've just moved into a new house, which I had only seen from the outside and peering through windows before they actually had keys. Um, so I went back to their house with them to be able to see the house. And so by the time I got back to my side of town, it was already about three o'clock in the afternoon. So I decided I might as well go out and try to find some new sneakers because now that I'm going back to the gym, my sneakers were really showing their age. They're a couple years old. Uh, so it took me about another hour to go about the whole process of finding sneakers because I had to go to a couple of different stores because I have screwy feet to fit. Um, so anyway, I didn't get home until about four o'clock again. At least this time I wasn't so fried. So I did do some sewing last night, not a lot but then mostly um, spent today doing it. So that's been my weekend. Um, however, 
I am very pleased to be able to finally report that I am completely and totally done with the Annie Unrhyme Travel Essentials class. <laughs> I finally got the second bag, which is the, the cosmetics uh, toiletry bag finished today. Um, dang it all, that thing gave me agita. <laughs> it really did. I have uh, done a blog post about it, so you'll see pictures and get some description of a couple of the things that went wrong with it. Although I didn't go into detail and I didn't show pictures of all things that went wrong because it's really, yeah, it's not good to look at. Um, it's, it's the binding that kills me every time. Now this cosmetics bag actually went together swimmingly for almost the entire bag. There was one part, um, there's a lot of facings that get put in between pockets and all of the facings went really well, except for some reason my last facing, which is the biggest one, and it goes in between the large pouch pocket and a vinyl pocket. For some reason, it didn't come all the way to the edges. And I had measured and checked a couple of times that it was cut the right width, so I'm not quite sure what I had going on there. Um, I think it had something to do with my seam width of sewing all these units together something got off a little bit but I couldn't get that facing piece to come all the way to the edge which meant once I put the binding on there's one little maybe an inch that didn't get caught in the binding so there's a raw edge sticking out and the first time it was a lot worse and so I did surgery ripped off half of the binding which was quite a trick I didn't take it all off because I had already finished the binding on the front which meant I had already put the ends together so I didn't want to risk ripping this whole thing off and trying to get it all back on exactly right so I ripped half of it off oh and and plus when I discovered um, that this that the binding didn't cover quite a bit of this one section at the first time around was after I had already started sewing it onto the back so it was not only sewn onto the front all the way around it was sewn onto the back halfway around so you know again not wanting to rip the whole thing off and starting over I um, used my trusty scalpel seam ripper which oh I don't know a year ago two years ago I posted a thing on my blog about seam rippers and this thing is a serious surgical tool um, it's a Hevel, I think, H-E-V-E-L anyway that was beautiful for this because it just goes in there and pop 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 all those threads and I ripped off about half the binding and left the rest of it sewn on while I went in and adjusted the facing. And well, I had to rip the whole facing off and then re-sew that all back on, which was tricky because the first time you sew it on, the pouch pocket isn't actually fully attached, so you can move it out of the way. Well, now it was fully attached, and I decided I was not going to go that far back. <laughs> I wasn't going to rip that whole thing off too. So I put the facing back on with the pouch pocket fully attached which made it really tricky to try to get it on right um, that I didn't do too bad a job at probably could have managed it but again when I started then sewing the binding back down um, it did better the second time but it still didn't catch that one part so second time around I decided bag it I am done with this thing <laughs> I am never you know it's not going to go in a show it's probably never even going to go to my guild show and tell um, because I don't want anybody looking at this thing close up. Um, it is, the binding is really bad. Now, I had problems with the binding on the Everything in Its Place bag, 
but it sufficed. It actually covered and it didn't look too bad. At least now, now it looks pretty good in comparison to the mess that was this cosmetics bag. It just really was a pill. Um, and I was actually somewhat pleased to see, I was looking on Pam of Hip to Be a Square, um, I was looking on her blog, and she had recently done the next project I want to do, the carry-all bag, and she commented also on how tricky those bindings are on any unrhymed projects. And I thought, wow, if, if Pam's having problems, that's making me feel better, because <laughs> Pam does these things very well. Um, so I'm sure hers looks a whole lot better than mine turned out. But again, it's done. And I am thrilled that it's done. Um, now, what I'm going to tell you, though, however, is... Don't let my experience scare you away from doing an Annie Unrhymed bag if you've never done one. She, you got to trust the Annie. She, her instructions are fantastic. Her patterns are fantastic. Um, there was one place, I think, in the Everything in Its Place bag that I noticed a discrepancy between the printed instructions and the video. But if you're doing the Craftsy class, my recommendation is to print out all the class materials first, read through them all, and then watch all the lessons all the way through with those um, printed instructions in front of you and make notes right in the printed instructions if you need to. And then go back and start to make the bag. Because there are a couple of times where she refers to something in a later lesson that would have been really useful to know <laughs> in an earlier lesson. If I recall in the Everything in Its Place bag, it was something about putting on the zipper pulls didn't come until later in the project than what you actually have to know how to do it. Um, the other tip I would say is that Annie has a ton of tutorial videos right on her own website at buyannie.com. And um, several people in the, the Travel Essentials class in this cosmetics bag towards the end where you read the class discussion, several people commented on having difficulties on the binding and saying it would have been really nice for her to show that step because she shows sewing it on the front. She does not show flipping it over and sewing it on the back. She says that she shows that in the first class, in the first bag, everything in its place, but I don't really remember seeing it there. I'll have to go back and look again to see if she does and see whether she answered any of the problems I actually had with mine. Um, in any case, she mentions in the class discussion where people were complaining about the binding, she said, well, here's a list to a couple of um, tutorials on my website that might be useful for you next time. Uh, so I'm going to go and watch those before I do my next Annie project. Um, the other, the only other problem I had with this, other than the binding, and like I said, everything went really, really well until the very end. And I was really optimistic. I kept thinking, wow, I've got the hang of this. This is great. And then I hit what I refer to in my blog as my Waterloo is that stinking binding. Um, the only other problem I had was the webbing and the handle strap, and I, I talk about that in the blog, and I describe how it shredded on me, and I tried to sew it back together, and then so um, you'll find a helpful tip on my blog about <laughs> if you end up with the same problem that I do, where you cut your webbing too short and you have to sew two pieces together. Um, so after all of that adventure, I am still planning on doing her class with the Ultimate Travel Bag. I bought that class a couple of weeks ago. I um, already have my fabric picked out for it. I bought the finishing kit from her website. That's another tip. Very simple. She has finishing kits for all of her craftsy classes on the website. And the finishing kits do not include fabric. Um, 
you may find a kit that has fabric and everything. If you don't want the fabric, keep looking. They're called finishing kits, and they include generally any um, hardware that you might need, you know, the, the hooks, the clasps, whatever the bag needs. They will include, if there's any webbing, they'll include the webbing, they'll include zippers, and then you can choose the color of zippers. They might choose, They might include some interfacing. Um, they might include the soft and stable, or you can buy the soft and stable separately. Uh, so I really recommend it. It is a time saver. Um, if you were to spend the time and go out looking for each of those individual pieces, could you get it cheaper? Possibly, and you would certainly not be paying shipping if you're running out to Joann's and everything. Um, but I'm not convinced you'd save that much money other than the shipping. And for me, for whom time is often a huge issue, being able to just go online and order it and have it all come to my house is big. Um, plus, since I am inexperienced, I know I'm getting the right things. I'm not going to end up with something that's the wrong size and won't ultimately work, and then that raises my frustration level. Um, so anyway, yes. I am doing the ultimate travel bag. I'm not sure if I'm going to start that one right away. I have a couple of, well, I still, I still have to do the binding on the Jacob's Ladder quilt. I am going to get to that this afternoon after I'm done recording this podcast. And there's part of me that feels like, oh my word, I am so done with binding right now. On the other hand, then I think this will be a breeze because there's no pockets. <laughs> I'm just putting binding on a quilt. I know binding on quilts. I can do binding on quilts. This is going to be, you know, like a tropical vacation <laughs> after what I just went through. Um, so the main thing I need to do is figure out what I'm doing for the label on that before I do the binding. So anyway, that's my next project. But then after that, I do have, um, like I said, I really want to do the ultimate travel bag. And somehow, even though it's a big travel bag, it still looks easier than that stupid cosmetics bag was. <laughs> I don't think there's quite as many moving parts to it. Um, I did also buy her pattern for the carry all tote, which is one of the two projects in her other class, her third class, which is actually her second class. I think she posted travel essentials first, and then the second one is called organizing essentials, sewing essentials, container essentials. <laughs> it's some other essentials, but it's, it's two different container projects. One are, um, I think, nesting containers, round nesting containers. And then the second project in that class is this carry-all tote. But I decided rather than buying the class, because I don't have any interest at this point in making those nesting containers, um, I just bought the pattern on her website and the finishing kit on her website, and I have fabric um, chosen for it. And I'm not actually all that worried about doing that one either. Um, again, other than the stupid binding. But it still seems like the binding on that might be easier than, <laughs> than what it was on the cosmetics bag. Pam, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If you think I'm going to want to run screaming out in the street as I'm doing the binding on the carry-all toe after having survived the cosmetics bag, let me know. Um, in any case, I'm not going to buy the class for that. I really want to see if I'm gotten to a point where I can actually handle an Annie pattern on my own. Um, and the reason I really want to do the carry-all tote, the reason that one got stuck in my head, is it's sort of a rectangular basket type of container that has um, carrying handles on it. And then it's lined inside with pockets. And then I think it's got a couple of zipper pockets on the outside. And what happened was one night I was sitting down in our family room um, in either on the couch or in the armchair 
and I was reading and I had a highlighter in my hand and um, it came time to dinner for, for dinner. So I put the, my husband was making dinner that night. And so I stuck the highlighter and had to find room on the side table to stick the um, book and the pens and all that. And we knew people were coming over soon. And I was thinking I was going to have to clean this up and I had post-it notes stuck all over the place. My life revolves around post-it notes these days with school. Um, and I thought, boy, it would be really nice to have some sort of little basket that I could keep all my reading materials. And then my husband had bought me one of those geometric design um, meditative uh, coloring book things. And so I've got one of those sitting down there and all my colored pencils sitting down there. And I said, boy, I'd really love to have something that I can keep all this in here right next to me where I sit in the family room. So I've got access to it every night. But then if people are coming over, I can just grab the whole thing and stuff it in a closet. And all of a sudden that carry-all just came to mind. And I thought, I think I've seen a basket exactly like what I need. And so that's what I'm going to use it for is to, you know, contain my reading material and coloring material in the family room um, more neatly so that my family's not always pushing it around when they're sitting wherever I've just recently been sitting and they want to actually put, you know, tea or something on the side table. Um, I do also have another Annie Unrein um, pattern, and I think I mentioned this in my last episode because I bought it when I was in Valley Forge at the um, quilt shop that I mentioned on my blog. It's uh, Annie Unrein's train case pattern, um, which again is just another sort of zippered rectangular container. Essentially, it looks a lot like the everything in its place bag. It just doesn't have all the pocket pages on the inside. I think it's got like a mesh pocket on the top, on the cover, inside cover, and then maybe a couple of side pockets around the inside. Um, and then just one zipper from what I remember, just the outside zipper. So again, now that I've survived the everything in its place in the cosmetics bag, you know, train case seems like it'll be, knock on wood, a bit of a breeze as well. And as you can tell... I seem to really be into the travel accessories, although that shouldn't come as much of a surprise <laughs> given that, you know, I travel. Um, and it is true, when I'm traveling, I'm sort of mentally shopping for luggage and <laughs> carry-ons. I'm watching what's coming off the luggage carousel. Oh, I like that one, or boy, that looks convenient, or what women are carrying through the airport as carry-ons. Um, so I'm always on the lookout for that ideal travel case or tote bag or, or carry-on for being on the planes and such. Um, I think the ultimate travel bag is actually going to be too big to use as a carry-on on a plane again because, I mean, that's what it's made for, but I like to travel as light as possible, and that's a fairly large um, carry-on, I think. I'll see once I get it made, but um, if not, I'll be able to use it as like a weekender bag when I'm traveling with my husband by car or whatever. I'm still looking forward to making it. It's a very attractive design. Um but the other thing that was really driving me nuts the last time, well, when I travel for work, I don't tend to bring a lot of jewelry sometimes. and But the jewelry roll I have, the uh, necklaces all hang on a loop inside, and then you roll the, the roll up around them. And I think in theory, it's supposed to, just by virtue of rolling them, you're supposed to keep the necklaces in place. But I tend to wear fairly heavy, kind of, you know, the big bulkier necklaces, and they're always flying out the sides. I mean, they stay attached inside because I've looped them around the little loops that they're made for, but they're falling out the sides. And so I'll pick up my jelly roll and I've got all this crud hanging off the side, making noise and clacking. And 
So what I started saying is, you know, I was looking at this gel the jewelry world I have and thinking I really like it and trying to figure out if I could just sort of somehow stitch pockets into it, which is still possibly an option. But I did find a pattern on Craftsy um, for a jewelry roll that I like in theory. <laughs> Again, I always like things when you see them as a pattern and then when you got them made up, you realize the many things that are actually wrong with it. But um, this is a pattern by Modkid, M-O-D-K-I-D, all one word, sewing patterns by Patty Young. And it's a jewelry roll. And this one has, um, it's got the loops that you put the necklaces on, but then each one has a pocket, a tall pocket underneath it. So you can actually slide the necklace into a pocket with the loop. And then there's a zippered pocket at one end, and then it still rolls and you tie it. So it still gets pretty compact. Um, and yes, it looked pretty simple to make. Again, <laughs> I've survived Annie Unrhyne. <laughs> so um, I might do that one next. I mean, again, I still have to do the binding on the Jacob's Ladder, but the jewelry roll seems like it's something that should only take me a couple of hours to put together. Famous last words. Um, and I've got some really cute uh, stash fabric that I'd like to use for something like this. I think it would make an adorable little jewelry roll. So that might be the next one I try to do. I do want to do the carry-all and I do want to, I basically... I want to quit my job and just sew for the next couple of weeks so I can get all these projects done. Um, the other one I've started looking at, and I actually posted on Twitter about this, so if anybody has any um, suggestions, I would take them still. I am going back to the gym several times a week now, and I've discovered I really need a better gym bag. I have a boatload of tote bags. You would think I would have one <laughs> that would work for the gym. But I'm also, again, I'm always looking for that perfect thing. And I, maybe my standards are just way too high. <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. Anyway, I've been using the duffel bag that I made last summer, the one that was the pre-quilted fabric, um, kind of turquoise, batiki uh, thing. Look on my blog, it appeared there somewhere. Uh, but it's really too big. I don't need that big a bag for going to the gym. Usually when I go to the gym straight from here, I even just, I only carry my purse because all I'm bringing is my headphones and my cell phone. I'm dressed. I'm wearing everything else. However, I am more often, um, and certainly once I get back into uh, the swing of my normal work year, I will quite possibly often be going to the gym from other places. So I'll have, I'll want to have a duffel bag in my car with all my gym stuff in it. Um, the other complicating factor is I just bought new sneakers. I actually had to order them through the store. They didn't have the ones I wanted in stock, so they're not to me yet. Um, I'll have them in another three to five days, I think they said. But these sneakers, um, I have to get fairly expensive sneakers because I have princess feet. <laughs> I have feet that are extremely picky about what I put them in. And um, I have found over the years that my best bet is these really expensive sneakers. And so they are only my gym sneakers. I don't like even wearing them in the parking lot. I want them to last <laughs> as long as possible. And that means I would like to have a gym bag that I can keep my sneakers in, maybe sort of semi-permanently. Um, just leave them in there, you know, take them off after I finish working out and wear other sneakers or something back out of the gym. Um, but I also need, you know, room for clothes and I need a pocket for my water bottle. My water bottle is kind of tall and narrow and side pockets on most of my tote bags 
um, with one exception. I have one tote bag that holds it pretty well. But the other ones, the, the side pockets don't come up high enough, and so the water bottle sort of tips out of it. And so I've been looking, you know, I spent a couple of nights online looking for patterns for gym bags that would have enough space for my sneakers, but not be so big that, you know, it looked like I was packing for a, a weekend, and that would have a good outside pocket for my water bottle. Because the other thing I've learned is I don't want my water bottle on an inside pocket. I've done that, or inside the bag. I've done that a couple times, and no matter how secure you think you have that lid on, <laughs> 10 to 1, you're going to get to the gym, and your gym clothes are completely soaked. So I try to always keep it on the outside of the bag. So anyway, I did find a pattern on Craftsy. It's really the only... There are a lot of tote bags that they say, yes, you can also use this for the gym, but they didn't. It was the water bottle issue, mostly. Um, and I found this one gym bag pattern that had a separate pocket for sneakers, and I thought, you know, that's actually a really good idea, because then my stinky sneakers aren't in with my gym clothes. <laughs> so um, I did find a pattern on Craftsy again. It's a gym bag, and, well, the pattern itself says gym bag and yoga mat carrying strap. Um, I'm not making the yoga mat carrying strap. I'm just making the gym bag. And it's by Studio Cherry, S the studio, as in the word studio, C-H-E-R-I-E, -E, all one word. Um, Cherry is capitalized, capital C-H. And um, it really is. It seems like, again, as I'm looking at the pictures, it seems like it'll be the perfect gym bag. We'll see. <laughs> what shortcomings I find once I have it made. Um, it's It feels like it's a baby bear tote bag, you know, not too big, not too small. Uh, it does have a separate shoe pocket. It's got an outside water bottle pocket that looks like it'll fit my water bottle. I couldn't find measurements for that particular pocket, so I'm hoping it will fit. Um, not so much height, but whether it'll be wide enough. And it's actually, and this I thought was really cool, it's designed as, quote, an upright duffel made to hang in narrow lockers. So rather than your traditional kind of long duffel bag with the straps you hang over your shoulder, this one you actually carry crossbody. The straps are made to go crossbody, and it's kind of a tall, narrow shape to it. Really sleek. I mean, it's a, a really nice design to look at. Um, now, the no gym lockers I normally use aren't, tall, narrow ones. The, there's two separate. There's the locker room lockers, and those are tall and narrow. But then upstairs where all the cardio equipment is, which is where I normally go, there's a set of lockers just outside in the hallway for you to just stuff, you know, your purse or your coat or whatever. And those are square. They're not long and narrow. But still, just the idea that this tote bag, this gym bag is smaller than your average big duffel bag is, I found very intriguing. Um, so I bought that pattern. It was only about four bucks for the pattern. It was 42 pages. <laughs> now, most of that is pattern pieces. You have to tape a bunch of pages. You know, the, the way it prints is you have to tape a bunch of the pages together to get a single pattern piece. Um, that one's not as high on my priority list, partly because she recommends making it with upholstery fabric, which I have none around here. And I'm okay going to Joann's and, and buying some because you don't need a whole lot. So it wouldn't, I don't think it would be that expensive. Um, and then you also use canvas for the inside. So my only slight concern about this, other than my usual problems that I often have sewing this kind of stuff in general, is that I've never worked with canvas or upholstery fabric. Um, not at that level anyway, not that much of it. 
So that'll be an unfamiliar thing for me, but I'm not expecting it to be a huge issue. So again, if any of you have done sewing with upholstery fabric and, and um, cotton duck and or canvas, uh, you know, let me know if there's any tricks I should be aware of. The Whatever upholstery fabric I buy is going to not be like a strange <laughs> one. There's not going to be fuzzy stuff going on. It's just going to be kind of a standard print that looks like it could be quilter's cotton, just heavier. Um, so anyway, that's that's a couple of weeks away, I think, before I get to that. So that's where I'm at with all my quilty stuff. Um, so those of you who are only interested in sewing and quilting, oh, by the way, no embroidery being done yet. Getting there <laughs> hasn't happened yet. Um, so if this is all you've tuned in for, this is when you can cut out. <clears throat> I have some other things I want to talk about for the other part of the podcast. First, I'm going to pause and grab a drink of water because it's allergy season. Ah, yeah, that's much better. I not only got a drink of water, but I also blew my nose a few times. <laughs> it really, May and August are my two tricky months, and I've been spending a lot of time outside the last few days, so um, it's great for my mental health, not so great for allergies. Anyway, speaking of mental health, this is the more personal part <laughs> of the podcast. Um, just thought I would talk a little bit about habits. Although I do need to preface this by saying that much of what I'm going to talk about now, I have known for years I should be doing. There's a big difference between knowing you should do it and being able to wrap your head around actually getting yourself to do it. And so as you know, um, if you've been listening to my podcast for any, well, for at least a few months, you know that... Um, I have spoken of having issues dealing with anxiety, which some of that is just genetic. <laughs> we, we have that in our family. And it is also, um, I believe, strongly linked to being premenopausal. And of course, you know, yeah, I've got school and everything. And we lost a family member this year. And my husband's going, been going through stress with work and everything. So there is all of that going on. But... When I look long-term, there have been issues going on for a while that I really, I decided I had to address. And so I've addressed those. And consequently, since I've done that a couple of weeks ago, I'm feeling so much better now um, than I had been. I'm really feeling motivated and energetic again. Um, I, I kind of feel like I've got myself back again. Um, somewhere along the way over the last few years, some part of me kind of got lost in there. And this isn't sort of an existential angst thing. This has to do with energy and motivation. I typically am a fairly active person, typically a very motivated person, and that was just, that had kind of disappeared. Um, and again, this this wasn't just a school thing. Yeah, I've been busy. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of travel. Um, that all magnified what was already there. So once I kind of dealt with some underlying issues... There's been a few things that I've um, experienced over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to let you know, because as I often say, I am a very, very unique woman, but I'm not that unique. Um, <laughs> anything I'm experiencing, anything, any questions I have, I generally feel at least one of you who's listening out there has probably had the same question in your head, if not more. So I'm going to share with you some things I have tried, some things I have learned and hopefully they will be helpful to at least one of you, if not more of you. Um, the first thing I did was I read Gretchen Rubin's Better Than Before. 
Now, Gretchen Rubin is the woman who wrote The Happiness Project. That was, I think, her first, at least her first book of this new genre that she's been writing in lately. Um, and I mentioned, I think, on my last podcast that I'd read that book. And um, it was good. I got a couple of ideas out of it. But uh, in talking back and forth a little bit with Frances of Off-Kilter Quilt, because she was the one that had first mentioned reading that book, and had made me think, oh, maybe it's something I should try. And so I'd emailed her to say, yeah, I read it and it was pretty good. And I said, I, I'm now planning on reading her Better Than Before book about habits. And Frances said, yeah, she thought that was actually the better of the two books. And I would say I very much agree with that. Um, the Happiness Project is good, and I would say start there, because in some ways it's helpful to have that undergirding better than before, although the two of them do stand alone. You could certainly read better than before without The Happiness Project, and you wouldn't be missing anything. But I think there's enough of a conceptual linkage there <laughs> that reading the one first would probably make the other one even more meaningful. So anyway, the, the book Better Than Before about habits is really, really good. And, you know, there's a lot of things she says over and over there in there. First of all, you have to figure out who you are, um, because what works for one person isn't necessarily always going to work for you. And she says that, you know, she talks about what works for her, but she keeps saying consistently, this may not work for you. I'm just sharing it with you in case this gives you an idea or inspiration or whatever. Um, I wasn't overly keen on her categories. She's fond of categorizing people and saying, well, if you're this kind of person, that means you're going to tend to do this. I found some of it a little bit useful, um, but it was almost too minimalist. There were only four categories of people. And she talks about, you know, most people kind of have a little bit of both of these. I, I thought that, I felt like that kind of had limited usefulness. To other people, it might have more usefulness, um, but I guess I've done enough of that kind of uh, deep introspective personality work over the years, you have to when you're in the ministry, um, that I felt like yeah, it's a little simplistic. But still, if you haven't done that kind of thing, you may find it really helpful. Um, what I found more useful was her, her practical breakdown of habits in general. And the main takeaway, the thing I kept finding myself thinking about, um, was her reference or her definition that a habit is something you have already decided to do. So in other words, as my best example of what this is, um, a couple of weeks ago on Mother's Day, uh, some of you know my Fitbit had been giving me fits, and I think I mentioned in my last episode, because I believe I recorded it on Mother's Day evening, that my son and my husband had given me the Fitbit Charge HR, which is a watch version. And I hadn't been too sure about it at that point. Well, I'll tell you now, I love this thing. I love this thing. And the main thing that I do that I wasn't able to do with the one, which is the Fitbit I'd had before, um, this one I'm able to set up hourly alarms. Well, I could have done that with the one, but it only works through the app and your phone is all too easy to ignore because it tends to sit in your purse in the other part of the house while you're sitting at your desk. The Fitbit Charge HR is right on my, my wrist. And so what I did was I set up hourly alarms to go off every day, every weekday that I'm working at my desk. And I think I have them starting at 10 a.m. and ending at three o'clock because I start work somewhere between 8.30 and 9, and then I end somewhere between 4 and 5. So I figured that was kind of the middle of the day. And it goes off every hour. And 
what my plan is, is that every time it goes off, it vibrates. You know, it's not an audible alarm. It actually physically vibrates on your arm. And I have found that it, that's somehow harder to ignore <laughs> than, for me anyway, than a sound. And I guess part of it, it's because I'm so used to hearing alarms going off all over the, you know, everything's beeping at you all the time. You're getting notifications on your phone, although I usually have all the audio turned off. But having something vibrate on my arm is new uh, to me. So my arm vibrates and I get up and I walk for five minutes. Um, I leave my office. I walk downstairs. It's been mostly gorgeous weather. So I've been walking outside in our backyard, just doing circles in the backyard or circles around our patio and pool area. Um, if it's not nice weather, I do circles in the house just for five minutes. And then I come back upstairs and I work. And I don't necessarily do it every single hour because sometimes I'm on a conference call or um, sometimes I'll turn it off and finish up what I'm doing if it's something that I really don't feel like I can interrupt. Um, you know, and if I know just another five minutes and I'll get this done and then I'll go. And so I might go a little bit late, but I really do try to stick to that as much as possible. And I mean, I will say this is something I can do because I'm in a home office. So it's not like anybody's watching me um, get up and walk around and and walk in circles other than my dogs. When I do it in the house, they're a little confused. When I do it outside, they love it because they go out with me. Um, and, and, and I will say, okay, so before all of this started and before I had really dealt with my underlying issues, I, I was lucky if I broke 2000 steps in a day. Just living my life without making any actual effort towards getting exercise because I work from home and because I'm a student and because then I'm a quilter, all of those pretty sedentary activities, my average steps a day were somewhere around 1500 steps. Now, just by getting up and walking every five minutes, I'm sorry, every, <laughs> every hour for five minutes, I'm up to nearly 5,000 steps a day, just making that change, just making that change. And I will say, I am so much smarter <laughs> when I come back to the desk. There is a lot of work being done now. There's a ton of studies out there. I read a bunch of them for my final paper for my Sabbath class, which is part of what made me think about this, on work and productivity and how we tend to think we are more productive if we glue ourselves to our desk for hours and hours and hours at, an, at, at, at on end and work really late and work weekends and all that. And actually we're not, you get to a certain point and you're really no longer productive. You may think you are, but the work you're turning out is not nearly as good quality. It's probably riddled with mistakes. You're not as creative, etc. Whereas if you are able to get breaks during the day and, and get some fresh air and get walking or just moving around a little bit, you, your mind stays sharper and more focused. And I have really felt that, um, really felt that tremendously. There have been a few times when I'll be working on something that I hit kind of a thorny spot and my watch will vibrate and I'll say, okay, what question am I going to put in my head? And I'll throw a question into my head about whatever I'm working on and then just kind of bank it on the back burner while I go out and walk. And inevitably, by the time I come back to my desk, even if I haven't consciously been thinking about that question, just because I stuck it in the back of my head while I was out moving and getting my blood pumping and, you know, again, it's been nice, so I've been getting fresh air. Um, when I come back to my desk, bam, the answer's right there. And I'm able to 
uh, move ahead. So that's been a huge difference for me. And the thing that Gretchen Rubin's Better Than Before Habits did for me is there's been a couple times, sure, when that vibrate, the vibration has gone off and I've thought, geez, you know, I feel like I just did this. Do I really need to get up and walk again? And I remember, no, actually, I've already decided I'm going to do this. So there's no decision to be made. I had decided when I set up these alarms that when it goes off, I'm going to get up and walk. So I'm not making that decision again every time. And that may seem like a mind game, and it, it is, but it worked. <laughs> it worked. When that vibration goes off, I don't decide that I'm going to get up and walk. I just I get up and walk. I have to actually decide not to get up and walk. Now my default is walking. So that's been a huge issue. And then the other one is getting to the gym after work. I don't like going to the gym first thing in the morning. I'm a morning person only if I don't have to deal with people or things. <laughs> if, I can, if I can just sit and read with my coffee. I don't even like the TV being on. If my family is home and watching TV, I sit in another room. I can't, going to the gym, I tend to get cranky. Now I'm going to try to start changing that because it really does help to go to the gym in the morning because then nothing gets in your way of doing it. But that's a tough one for me, so I'm not there yet. Um, but I do like to go at the end of the day after work. So what I've started doing now is I shower before work, which, you know, I work from home, people. <laughs> there, there is some truth to that stereotype that it's really easy to just work in your pajamas. Um, but again, in the last couple of weeks, I know I'm more productive if I've showered and dressed. So I now shower in the morning, get dressed right away, but I get dressed in my workout clothes and my sneakers. And what that does is now when I'm sitting at my desk, not only am I comfortable because my workout clothes are fairly comfortable, but I'm in my sneakers, which means when it's time to get up and walk, I'm ready to walk. And so I go and I do my five minutes. I'm comfortable, you know, my feet are comfortable in their sneakers. I come back, sit down. And then when it's time to go to the gym at the end of the day, I shut off my computer again. My decision's already made. I'm already dressed. This is a habit. And I'm out the door. I only missed one day going to the gym last week. And that was because I had really screwed up my arm <laughs> sitting. I was sitting wrong on my computer, um, which was stupid. I know better. Anyway, that was an aberration. And really had a very painful arm and I knew it was going to hurt like the dickens to drive. So that day I just did all of my steps in the backyard. I've worn a groove in the lawn, <laughs> but Sammy loves it because I throw him a tennis ball the whole time I'm walking. So those are just a couple of, of things. I, if you're looking to overhaul your habits, I really would recommend reading better than before. Um, even if your habits don't have to do with physical exercise or whatever, the book is extremely helpful. The other thing she talks about that I've been doing is um, she talks about the importance of tracking, which is, you know, the same thing they say when you're trying to lose weight, it's important to write down what you're eating so you actually are aware of what you're doing. And she talks a lot about tracking in terms of habits. And so I had bought, um, she has a companion journal that goes with the book that I bought and I've been using. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to do it. I've been, it's useful, but it really is just mostly a blank book. There's a little quote at the beginning of each week. And then there's space for you to set up what your four habits are going to be. And then check boxes for you to, you know, mark which days you've done them. And I leave little notes to myself about if I didn't make a goal, 
is there a reason why not? And then there's blank pages. So I'll write just two or three sentences every day about how I did on those goals. And that does all help keep it in your head what you're trying to do. The other thing I've been doing is, um, because I'm very you know technologically oriented, is I tried a bunch of habit tracking apps for my smartphone. Um, there's one that was I thought was going to be kind of fun, and then it just didn't grab it for grab me. It was called Habitica, H A B I T I C A, and it's set up like an RPG, like a role playing game. So you have this little character, and the more of your habits that you successfully meet every day, you earn money and points or whatever, and then you can outfit your person. the The thing, the reason it didn't grab me is it's really set up for social. So you're supposed to join guilds and leagues and be fighting dragons together. And, and I didn't want to be social. <laughs> I'm an introvert. <laughs> Even my little pixelated critter there guy didn't want to be social. Um, so it was just, you know, kind of at that point kind of became pointless. But if you're somebody that does like to do that kind of social networking stuff, you'd probably get a kick out of that particular habit tracking app. Um and then I was actually tracking, I chose like three habits and I was tracking them in probably six or seven different apps to begin with. Um, every night I'd sit down and I'd go through and I'd track them all in all of these apps to see which app I really liked best. And I ended up um, really for not a whole lot of good reasons with an app that's called Productive, creative name, but it was the one that, um, it was the interface I liked best. It was really easy to use. I like the way the graphs are set up and it doesn't seem to have any sort of social networking component at all. One of the other ones I kind of liked, it was pretty close up there to productive and another one um, called balanced that I also liked. I don't remember which one it was now though. I'm sorry, but it had this whole discussion group thing. So you'd go into your stats and all of a sudden there would be all these discussions going on underneath and it's not that people can see your stats but you can then join in these discussions and I was just reading some of them I'm like I don't want to get to know these people <laughs> some of them frankly were a little scary so anyway I, I ditched that one again I'm not interested in social networking I'm just looking for something for myself and again with habits they also talk and I believe Gretchen Rubin does reference this in her um, book but you've probably also seen articles about it or whatever, not breaking the chain. The The important thing is the consistency, not breaking the chain. And so that's what these apps help you look at is not breaking the chain. Um, so some of the other little habits I've been trying to, to pick up in the last couple of weeks, the, the exercise is the main one because I know exercise long-term, not only is that a physical health, but it really is a mental health thing. And so I knew I really had to focus on that right now while I've got time so that I can get some of these habits really ingrained in me so that they are hard to lose when I stop having so much time. Um, I'm also working on my bedtime routine so that I'm more mentally ready for bed. I've really been sleeping well these last couple of weeks and I wanna keep that going. <laughs> so I've, got, I've added a couple of steps to my bedtime routine just to make me more ready for bed, you know, switching mental gears now it's bedtime, it's sleep time, it's not time to be thinking about anything else. Um, and part of that is getting off electronics uh, an hour before I want to go to bed, which is hard when you read a Kindle <laughs> for nighttime reading, but it's not a Kindle fire, it's just a Kindle. So there's no temptation to do any web surfing or any email, and it's a different type of light that's coming to you. And that's the main thing 
with electronics, with your smartphones, with your iPads, with computers. Um, I imagine Kindle Fire is probably much like this most tablets. It's the quality of light that's going into your eyes that messes with your body's sense of whether it's nighttime or not. Um, and so I try to shut down my iPad. I actually have a reminder now that pops up at nine o'clock at night, time to get off electronics. And within 15 minutes, although this has been the hardest habit for me to get used to because it is so opposite what I've been doing <laughs> the last couple of years, is just to get off everything and start looking through a magazine or um, coloring in my coloring book. I don't tend to do embroidery after nine because I'm way too tired. And that's actually what I want to start doing now is the habit I'm adding in is trying to get embroidery back into my life at night so I'm not on electronics at all. Um, and I'm doing, you know, a little meditating here and there, a little journaling here and there, etc. So like I said, um, I know all of us always feel like there's habits we should be, um, good habits we should be trying to take care of. Gretchen Rubin's book does also talk about bad habits. Um, if there's things you want to try to stop doing, I'm not focused on that right now. I have no bad habits. <laughs> I have quite a few, but I've decided if I really focus on upgrading my good habits, I won't have time to be getting involved in any of those bad habit shenanigans. <laughs> so, so it's all good in the long run anyway. Um, so that's what's going on with me. And hopefully if you have found any of that helpful, um, let me know. If you have made any sort of habit changes yourself and have any tips or tricks you would like to share with people or questions you want to ask or whatever, let me know. Um, and, you know, the same holds true with the quilting part too. You can still talk to me about that. I just hope you will make a habit of talking to me now. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Um, let me quickly, because I don't have a whole lot of listener feedback, I can still do that at the end of this episode. Ooh, as I check my email, I have one new one. Um, all right, so I have to say thank you. Thank you to Carrie who has managed to find a multitude of ways to be in touch with me. She contacts me through Flickr and email. Um, the Flickr one surprised me. I'm not used to contacting people contacting me through Flickr. So Carrie, I'm sorry if I didn't get back in touch with you there. It took me completely by surprise to see a Flickr message. Um, but Carrie also recently was in uh, Missouri Star Quilt Company territory and sent me a couple of pictures of the stores, although apparently they were closed before she got there. But thank you very much, Carrie, for being in touch with me uh, so consistently and also sending pictures because we love pictures. Very Lazy Daisy, who has her own very cool podcast, uh, posted a comment on my blog, Crafty, Craftsy Class Review, Creative Quilting with Your Walking Foot with Jackie Gearing. And she says, I love the idea of quilting this way. Unfortunately, all I can do with my walking foot is straight line stitching or big concentric uh, circles. Although my machine has a ton of decorative stitches, they don't work with a walking foot. The needle just hit the foot, hits the foot when it tracks back on the stitches. I think only certain machines can utilize the walking foot and the decorative stitches at the same time. Bummer, because I would love to be able to do that perfectly spaced wavy line quilting. Um, and Daisy, there is actually discussion about that on the side of the class. Uh, there were a couple of people who said they had been told that they couldn't do decorative stitches with their walking fit, foot by the people that they bought them from and then found out that they really could. Other people who said they'd had problems doing it and then they were able to figure something else out. So you might, 
might want to look at it anyway. Um, and she does actually do a lot with straight line stitching and circles as well. Um, so I think it might still be worth you looking at. The decorative stitches uh, were just one of the many lessons. Um, and the one, the other class that she has, don't remember the name of it, more creative quilting perhaps? <laughs> I don't remember what the name of the second one is. Um, but it looks like it's also mostly straight line stitching, but then they're more complex designs. So like you might go backwards a little bit and then forwards. And I know some people's walking fits also don't let them go backwards. Mine does. Um, so anyway, that's, that's just something to look into. So thank you very much for your comment, Daisy. Thank you to Pratima. Um, always nice to hear from her. Episode 197, in which we're back on the saddle again, April 30th. So a couple of episodes again ago, she said, Hi, Sandy. So nice to hear your lovely voice again. Missed you very much while you were away. It was wonderful to have your company when I was sewing something yesterday. And she wishes me a happy spring. And I am having a really happy spring now. And our weather really has just been lovely. Um, so thank you, Pratima. And you have to send me pictures of what we were sewing together. Thank you to Patty Ann for commenting on episode 198, in which I keep burning my fingers, which is the one I posted my last episode. And she gave me a YouTube video um, saying maybe this would have helped save your poor finger. And the YouTube video, um, I did watch it, was about how to make, it was a different way of making bias tape um, using, uh, it was a while back. I saw, I watched the video shortly after you posted the comment. It was, I think, using pins, strategically placed pins <laughs> on your ironing board and, and making your bias tape that way um, so that your fingers don't come quite as close to the um, ironing board. And I did think it was a really intriguing example. I still think I'm probably just going to buy the little binding tools. <laughs> I tend to always go for the simplest solution, although not always the cheapest. Thank you to Eileen, um, who she's the one who just commented on the blog post I just posted about finishing the um, cosmetics bag. And she said, finished is better than perfect. I live by this rule. And that is so very, very true. So I don't think I missed anybody's comments. I'm sorry if I did. If I did, feel free to comment again and scold me. Um, so leave your comments. You know how to get a hold of me. You can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com, sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, and Flickr, and Craftsy, and Instagram. All of those places I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, quilts with a Z. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team, K-I-V-A, and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. I'm sorry, I should say, next time is going to be a couple of weeks away because next weekend I'm away on vacation with my husband and the entire following week. Um, I don't know if I will get a podcast episode posted the Sunday following that because we get home on Saturday, so it all kind of depends on where I'm at with getting ready for being back at work after being gone a week. So now, until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Mm -hmm.